Welcome to another episode of Fresh from the Hill, inside stories of noteworthy Cornellians. My name is Lou Diamond, CEO of Thrive, host of Thrive Loud, class of 92, proud supporter of the Big Red, and your host of today's episode. We are featuring Jordan Gremley. He is currently the head of artist and fan development at Spotify, responsible for building programs and tools to connect artists with the right fans throughout every step of the artist development process. He was formerly a program director at SiriusXM Radio, oversaw Pearl Jam Radio and Lithium, even had involvement in Alt Nation. He graduated from Cornell University in 2008. And while he was there, he was the president and general manager and program director at WVBR-FM. And for the Cornellians listening to this uh, program, you probably listened to it while you were there. So that being said, we have Jordan Gremley on the program. Jordan, how are you today? I'm good, Lou. How are you? Thanks for having me. Jordan, this is really cool on a whole bunch of levels. We have been talking to some unbelievable alum who have come into the workforce in all different types of industries. And you are working in an industry that is bringing together your passion, some new technologies, some things that we're all touching each and every day. I will let you know, I just renewed my annual number for the, the year at Spotify. Thank Excellent. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and with that, I, I kind of want to lead up to it. So you graduate school and, and give everyone a little bit of your journey on how this became the path that you wanted to head on. Is, is this, let's rewind even more than that. Has this been always a passion of yours, music, radio, um, communications? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I grew up, you know, both my parents are music teachers. Um, they, they were the uh, you know, high school musical director and choreographer, and they put on two shows in their local high school every year. And so I grew up, you know, being just immersed in, in music. So I was surrounded by music really from the time I was born, really. Um, so I went to those rehearsals. Um, I started playing piano, cello, and some guitar when I was like a really little kid. Um, and so music has always been a passion of mine, for sure. So I so growing up, yeah, I played, you know, uh, music and was in theater and also played sports and just like kind of being in front of people. Um, and then the other thing I liked, in addition to music and performance and communication, was the weather. Um, and I uh, grew up, you know, doing hurricane charts with my grandma on the kitchen table, you know, like really it was into the weather and into performance and music at, at an early stage. So, you know, going through high school, I was like, how can I combine these two things? How can I put perform being in front of people and the weather together? Um, and of course, that led me to why wanting to be a meteorologist, to be a weatherman, right? So I, yeah, so yeah, so I actually applied to, to all schools um, with, with meteorology programs um, and atmospheric science programs, knowing that I, I definitely wanted to be a weatherman who knew what I was talking about and, you know, take all the classes and all the physics and calculus, but also made sure that there was a really strong, you know, communications department and that there was a really strong internship opportunities in the area and, you know, strong radio, TV perform, uh, performance uh, type places at, at school. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to, to Cornell. It really had all of those things. Um, and so when I started at Cornell as an atmospheric science major, um, and I got my degree in atmospheric science, but it was really the um, the extracurriculars of you know having an internship in Binghamton, New York on TV, um, doing the weather there. And of course, my involvement in WVBR, the radio station, as you said, that really led me to the path of, all right, I still like the weather. I still you know watch when the snowstorms roll in and watch hurricanes and, and keep an eye on it for sure. But I really, want, as a career, want to get more into media and more into broadcast. Um, and that's kind of what led me to my first job out of college, which was at, at Sirius XM. 
So, so I'm jumping in right now because I, I literally was laughing as you started to say it, obviously, that when you said you liked music and the weather, I was thinking good weather, like sun, you know, the sunshine and nice warm weather. And he said, and that's what led you to Ithaca. I was going to say, um, Jordan, I hope you got a chance, you know, to check out the brochure of the weather in uh, on the hill itself. But yeah, I was watching the radar. Yeah, yeah, I was watching the radar. I knew I knew what I was. I mean, it's an exciting weather market, you know, yes. so you know, that even made it more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so you're working in this area, and, and which is, by the way, really impressive, because in the last few years, the 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 as as our phones become just more and more in tune to our mobile devices, for that matter, because I'm sure you know now we have watches and, and phones and whatever's going to be put in our ears next. We are constantly um, tapping into the things we love, and music has always been really the streamline of all the 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 technologies that continue to evolve. I, I go back uh, almost 20 years now to when obviously, you know, from, from Napster hitting, hitting the markets to other revenue sources and ways that we can now listen to music. Talk about the business side for, for a little bit and your interest in, in these, in the companies, obviously from both Sirius, great experience in changing the way that we listen to radio to Spotify to changing the way we listen to music. Uh, how does it feel to be sitting at the forefront of two unbelievable companies that are truly innovating the space um, through your career? You know, at, at the core of it, what I like doing is um, using using data and using um, you know the fact that that people like music, right, and all the you know the the things that come along with that to make better experiences for both the users, for both fans, and for artists, right? So for at Sirius, it was um, you know how how can we program a radio station in a, in a new and interesting way, um, you know, not lean on the stuff that had been done for for decades and decades, but how can we develop new artists on a station like Alt Nation, or how can we do some really cool you know specialty content with a band like Nirvana or or Weezer or Pearl Jam on lithium um, that would you know have people appreciate music that came out 20 30 years ago in a new way um, so that that was really like kind of at the forefront of, of what I did at, at Sirius and then Spotify yeah as you said I mean I started at Spotify uh, about six months after we launched in the US and at that time I was on the artist services team which was um, really at that time just a more more of an educational team. We went around and talked to artists and, and managers in the music industry about what Spotify was, about how the business model is a little different and how the distribution model is a little bit different. But here are all the cool things that we can do together. Um, things like using our data to help you route a tour or new kinds of marketing campaigns that are using digital marketing in new and different ways. Um, and so as Spotify has evolved over the last couple over the last seven years, I've been there for seven years now, th- I've basically been doing the same kind of thing. Um, you know, using data and using technology to help artists develop their audiences, but in in different ways. Um, as you know, Spotify has grown its user base. There's been a lot. We got a lot of data. You know, yeah. um, so we're just trying. We're trying to figure out. Um, in addition to helping artists make decisions about their career, like I said, helping you know with tours and helping selling merch and that kind of stuff. What if we can help them, you know, pick different single, which single to put out, or um, what if we can target different types of fans at different times? You know, reward the super fans at one point and then reward new listeners for discovering an artist at a different time. Um, it's just been a bit. I feel really lucky and uh, to to have been at the forefront of these things, and and even more lucky now to be at the forefront of a lot of opportunity for artists 
out there. Um, the, the, more, the more that Spotify and the more that digital music in general um, expands, really, I feel the more opportunity there is for artists to, to grow and, and connect with their audiences. And we're kind of like just getting started there. So it's exciting. Let, let me go deeper on that for a sec, because this is actually interesting. I totally see where fan development could come in as a listener and understanding what their needs are with music constantly changing and the music industry going through, I mean, a massive upheaval in the way that traditionally, you know, getting signed with a label and having to figure out who to go on tour with and get stuff played on radio stations to literally going direct to consumer, so to speak, right now in many different ways is an option. How open are the artists in communicating with Spotify? And how does that relationship work from from your aspect? Because is that that's not typically and historically the way things have happened in the past. This is a this is a newer development on how you're trying to figure out what makes sense to bring products and, and content to market. Yeah, and I think that it, it's a matter of thinking about a, an artist as a um, with their entire team. So you know, we have labor relations people, we have artist management people, we have artists you know people who who work with art who are, work with artists directly, and it's about how do all those pieces kind of fit together in or in the. I don't know, the ecosystem and the solar system of, uh, there's some, some like weather-ish references for you, right? Um, in the, uh, in the solar system of that are, that is, uh, orbiting this art, this artist, you know? Um, so, you know, the, the record label, we work really closely with them. They have different needs than a management group does, and they have different needs than publishers do. And there's all these people who are all around to support the artist and at Spotify and my team specifically, I think we're trying to, to work with all of those different types of, of entities, again, to help develop artist careers, um, in the best, in the best way possible possible. So artists uh, from the beginning have been very um, open about working with us, about testing new stuff out. You know, the uh, a program that, uh, that I work uh, on called Fans First was a, was a test. It was basically a, um, a way for artists to connect with their fans through email and reward their biggest fans. And we did that with just a couple of, of you know, artists and, and, their, and, their, uh, and their labels and their management very early. It seemed to work. And so, you know, it was a nice test and a nice collaboration in that way. Um, and then we have been working to to scale that out with with other partners, with labels and with managers and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we work we work closely with artists for sure. Um, but it's really kind of the whole ecosystem around an artist that I think is it's really important to continue to work with everybody. Um, you know, as as we all work together towards the shared goal of developing artist audiences. Jordan, to to gain the understanding of the perspective, um, you, when you arrived. At Spotify, when they first opened up here in the U.S., how many people were on board on the team at Spotify in the company? And what is that number seven years later today? Yeah, so um, in the U.S., it was about 50 people, and I'd say maybe three, 400 overall, uh, mostly in Sweden, because it's a Swedish company right. at that point. Um, now we're over 1,000 in the U.S. and uh, up to around 4,000 people globally. So it has, uh, it has grown a lot since I started. So from a cultural perspective and the role that you've been in and obviously for a while and really helping to develop, has it maintained that, that really cool edge in essence, um, which is what drew you to the company originally and the great content? And, and how has it changed uh, being part of that ride over the last seven or so years? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it it hasn't changed in some ways. There's still a lot of it's it's still kind of a startupy vibe around here, which is really nice. Um, both in terms of you know sometimes ping pong games break out in the middle of the office, um, but also 
um, but also in the way that um, you know the leadership of the company really cares about innovation. We still have a, a weekly hack week twice a year where engineers and people who work with engineers just you know work on pro- on whatever project is interesting to them uh, during that week. And so it's just kind of like whether or not it's part of a larger pro- product roadmap for that week. It's just kind of let's see what happens. And a lot of those um, hack week projects have gone on to become parts of, of Spotify, parts of the app. So there's still a lot of, a lot of that going on for sure. Um, I think the uh, the other thing that's changed, obviously, is we've gotten bigger. There's a lot more users. There's a lot more data. And there's all kinds of um, debates about how best to use that data to help artists. So is it, you know, again, manual, manual, manually working with them, with an artist to help them develop their set list? Or is it more of a big productized, you know, have an artist sign up for their dashboard um, and get all the data like we have at, at Spotify for artists now? Um, I think that uh, we are lucky and that we are able to do kind of both. You know, there's there are big platforms that you can sign up for, Spotify for artists being one of them, where you can do things like update your profile image and get data and put tour dates on your profile. But then we have a lot of um, call and manage services as well, like the Fans First program, where it's not, in, we, we're still testing things out and we're still kind of in early stages and we really work closely with artists and their and their um, labels and their management to make sure that the, that the program is working in the right way for that artist specifically. Um, so yeah, so while it's grown a lot, it still feels like, um, you know, start up in, in a lot of ways, which is nice, you know. Jordan, over this this rise and in the increased amount of data, I'm curious to know what's been the biggest surprise to you in some in, in getting these pool. I mean, what an amass, a massive amount of, of pooled information that you have from so many different realms and points. What was something that you learned that totally surprised you? Something you would never have expected from having access to all this information. Yeah, um, I think well, one thing that sticks out is how um, dis- how, how certain songs or even certain styles can be distinctively popular. Not even in in specific countries and distinctive countries for sure, but even from city to city. And so, you know, we learn this as we're looking and working with artists to help them, you know, use data to figure out what songs to play in their set list. And we see that oh, this one song is randomly really popular in Columbus, Ohio, for some reason. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, they had an association with a sports team there or like, you know, a group of people. Who knows? You know, like it really really depends on the city. Um, But then the artists can use that to, all right, maybe we'll toss this song into the encore when we play Columbus and we'll do a different song when we play through Detroit. So that's interesting Mm -hmm. on a a micro scale for sure, Um, just, you know, to kind of see those differences. But then you can see, you know, distinctively popular styles in certain countries around the world um, and how those styles start crossing borders. Um, you know, BTS and, and Korean pop music had a huge year um, and uh, last year. And we could see that kind of in the data where there was a really small but really passionate audience that really loved that kind of music in different countries around the world. And as it started to, you know, spread, we could see it grow from there. So just the fact that they're like, and, and now it's like, you know, a global phenomenon and BTS has the most rabid fan base in the world now. So, you know, just to kind of see that they're distinctively popular pockets of music um, in, again, from city to city, but then from country to country. It's really just kind of fascinating to see how people interact with music in, in different ways, um, depending on you know the country, depending on their geographical region, depending on where they are. Awesome. Jordan, uh, let, let's rewind a little bit here from when you were back at school. What was one of your favorite classes or maybe one of the classes that you never would have thought would have been your favorite classes that you said, wow, that actually helped me? in where on my, my little path today, because 
your path is a little bit different, certainly from that of focusing on the weather. So I'd love to know what was some of your, what was one of your favorite classes when you were back at school? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, the two that stick out make, you know, make sense now that I work in music. So my senior year, I took a uh, first semester, I took a history of jazz class. And then the second semester, I took a history of rock music class. So like going to lecture every day, every week was like, oh, this is just like me listening to my favorite topic in the world. So those stick out as like, you know, memorable classes um, and stuff that is stuff that I really love. One class that had a, a major impact on me, and this is like, I'm totally going to date myself now class of 2008, you know, 10 years ago, um, it was a class called B102. And it was, you know, Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, which doesn't sound particularly wild. But the stuff I learned, especially in Excel, like I use it every single day, even as, you know, like even even as I'm doing less, you know, manual data polls and, and that stuff, the stuff I, I learned in that class, um, I still continue to use every day. And now, you know, I mean, that class probably doesn't even exist anymore, because, you know, there's micro, in, intro to microcomputer applications has a very different definition now than it did in 2008. Um, but I still use that stuff um, a lot. And then also, for whatever reason, in that class, um, I just made a lot of friends, too. And it was like a big network of people. Um, so, you know, in all across all different types of um, study, you know, it's different majors, different schools, different studies. And I'm still friends with a lot of people that I met in that class. So for whatever reason, you know, BE 102 in my junior year just had like a major impact on my life. Um, but uh, yeah, Professor Peter Hillman, I think he retired. <laughs> That's great stuff. Uh, and you just segued to something really specific. And, and, and so where are you living now? Give us a little bit of the lay of the land on Jordan Gremley today. Where are you physically located? Yeah, so I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I've been in New York since I graduated, so for the last 10 years. Okay, great. And obviously, the Northeast has a, a pretty strong Cornell population. And you've mentioned that you still have a lot of close friends. Is, is your connection to Cornell still very relevant in the in your social uh, life? I know you're working tons, but um, in your in the business or in the social life from where you are today? Yes, for sure. Um, people I met at Cornell are still my best friends. Um, the best man at my wedding was my best friend at Cornell. Um, so I met, you know, the, a, a bunch of friends through my fraternity. I was in Delta Chi, um, but also I stay really involved in uh, in WVBR as well. Um, I'm actually the the chair of the board of the uh, alumni board of directors right now. So I stay really in close touch with people from all different um, all different eras of WVBR history. Um, you know, a because I like it because it's a good group of people. You know, talking about radio and talking about the future of media is like my favorite thing. Um, but also because I want to, you know, pay it forward. VBR was um, the place that got my, gave me my start in my career, no question. Um, and I want to, you know, make sure that that happens for some other people in the future. I love it. Now, so now, now I'm going to ask an interesting question. So um, uh, as, an, as I, I am alum as well, I even have a, a son who, who is in the middle of his uh, freshman year at Cornell. He listens to music a lot different than the way you did and the way I did. And, totally. and this is an interesting take. And I guess this is a great understanding of fan development um, on how people are listening to music today in the college scene. Um, maybe, maybe share a little bit because you have that access of all that information, understanding how users are, are listening. But let's specifically talk about how college students are listening uh, to music today. Get, give a little bit of an overall piece because I think we kind of know, but I would imagine you have a much more in-depth understanding of how people are listening to music today it um i mean 
like with any audience, it varies. Um, there's certain people who really lean in and try to search for, you know, the next big thing and search for the people that they can go share with all their friends. And, you know, people, college students, um, from what we've seen, look at all different places for that. So yes, on Spotify, using our, our playlist like Discover Weekly, which is a, uh, you know, a personalized um, playlist that you get every Monday that um, is music that we think that you'll like. Um, but then also on our on our editorially, editorially curated playlists of things like Rap Caviar and Today's Top Hits. Those are what our editors think are the 50 biggest rap songs or pop songs or, or whatever. Um, so there's people who definitely go in and look specifically for, for what's next. Um, and a lot of the stuff on Spotify can help with that. But then there's other platforms, of course, as well. People, you know, seek out music on YouTube and SoundCloud and kind of all. It's almost like, um, you know, going around and trying to collect different, you know, music from different places and different genres interact better on different platforms and that kind of stuff. Um, but then there's, of course, still an audience um, that can be really passive as well. Um, and that is, you know, just a different type of listener. And those types of listeners, the ones who, you know, let's put on music while they're studying or, or in the car. Um, I think Spotify is still um, is still a way for people to, to do that. And they're less of, um, you know, they're less of, an active let's go out and find who this artist is it's just kind of like whatever this playlist gives me is is i is what i trust um so for that presents kind of an interesting um opportunity for us on the artist development side because um how you talk to somebody who specifically sought you out if you're an artist is different i think than somebody who's kind of more passive so you know maybe there's some kind of way that we can look at early signals that say, oh, I like, you know, this user saved this song or this user listened to it again or, or something like that. And then we can kind of help artists develop that, that listener um, down, a, down a, that listener differently than somebody who knows exactly, you know, what this artist, is, what their name is and what they look like and, you know, when they're going on tour. Um, so, you know, college, college students, much like the general populace, are kind of split in, in that way. Um, and, uh, you know, from a radio perspective, being on the, the alumni board of WVBR, yeah, I mean, people still <laughs> listen to the radio for sure. Um, still, people still seek out um, their favorite radio station, but it's, I think, in a different way, like you said, than when, when you or I were, was at college. Um, you know, if it's just kind of driving, driving around and maybe just kind of randomly stumbling upon something and, and uh, you know, programming a radio station is very different than it was even 10 years ago because people's attention spans are, are different. You know, people expect to, to hear something quickly and to be kind of like locked in quickly, you know? Um, and so it has to be, you have to, if you're programming a radio station, you have to make sure that if somebody's going to give you just a couple of seconds, even of their time as they're, as they're going through the, uh, you know, through the dial, you have to make sure that you're, you're presenting yourself accordingly. Um, so, you know, we've been working with, uh, with the students at WVBR a lot on that. That's great. I, I was going to say that one of the interesting things is you're right. There's a, how I listen to music for myself is very specific. Um, I'm usually listening on my phone. Um, I commute, I commute to work or I'm, I'm in the car and I'll listen, you know, one way via, via the phone. What was interesting, which really shows the lay of the land when I'm in my home, I actually have a Sonos, uh, system. And it is really funny because it's like, you get all the competition all at once because we tend to Hey, let's search for a certain artist or a certain song and up pops, um, what Pandora is offering, what Amazon Music's offering, what Spotify's offering, what Apple Music is offering. And it is a really interesting, like you guys are basically saying, hey, we all got it right here. <laughs> We're showing up. We've got the content you want, want to do. From your perspective and your seat, I guess, and, and some of your colleagues, this is really, um, this is the land share fight, I guess. 
Um, and and I and I my question to you, just in looking at the future and where things are heading, um, what are some of the innovations that Spotify is doing to focus on, or maybe even to grow their market share as best as they can? It's interesting hearing, you know, from what I was saying before and from hearing you say that, I'm kind of comparing it to programming a radio station in Ithaca, New York, you know, because it's like, you know, people have, people turn on their speaker, turn on their Sonos or turn on, you know, whatever, and they have all that choice quickly. So you have to kind of like represent yourself in kind of in a similar yeah. way, you know, like a couple, couple of seconds and you have to figure it out. So that's really interesting. And that's something that I hadn't really thought about so far uh, yet, but, uh, but now I will for sure. <laughs> we try to make these and podcasts on fresh from the hell as interactive as possible. That's where, where our goal is. Jordan. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, on the Spotify side, I think more of that, um, you know, personalized experience is, is definitely something that we're, we're thinking about a lot. Discover weekly release radar, um, daily mix, those kinds of, again, playlists that take your, what you've listened to in the past and then either make suggestions suggestions of familiar music or new music or music that came out today uh, on Friday or music that came out on the Friday that you're listening to it in the case of release radar I think that's certainly um, a thing that Spotify is going to continue to do to to you know separate itself um, but then I think I've always thought even from the very beginning that Spotify is in a really unique place where we can serve both those active and passive listeners simultaneously right. um, because of just because of the platform because of you know we can make playlists and our editorial team is amazing at making playlists for a passive listener to just say I'm in the car I have my Sonos open I don't know what to do hit a button and then it plays but at the same time again for those people who really seek out artists and really seek out specific stuff it's so easy to, to find that so I think for the active listeners a lot of what we're doing on the artist and fan development side in terms of how can we help develop those artists applies to the users as well. And what we've seen is that if users um, interact more with their favorite artists, then they interact more with Spotify, right? So we're trying to figure out ways to, to have that happen. Um, and so, you know, if a user um, sees more information about an artist, like tickets that, that they could buy um, or tickets that, that they're being rewarded with for being a fan or a way to buy a t-shirt or, you know, a notification that says this artist has a new album out, those are all kind of things that will enhance the user experience in addition to helping artists develop their careers using our, our audience. So I think that's definitely the stuff that I'm going to focus on and the stuff that Spotify is focusing on as well. Gotcha. A couple more personal questions here, Jordan, to, to, to bring us home so we learn a little bit more about you. Um, I love asking this question on, on my program, and we've been picking it up here on this show as well. When you have an off day, and I can't imagine how many off days you could possibly have because, you know, you get to work with music at a cool technology station in Brooklyn all day long. So that's freaking awesome. But when you have an off day and you're having an, uh, trouble thriving, who or what practice do you seek to get yourself back on the thriving track? I, I mean, like you said, working with music, it, it's such a, you know, a immersive thing. And I love it so much that, like, honestly... Sometimes if I need a break from just work and from strategy and all that stuff, like I like to make lists and making lists of my favorite music is like a thera therapeutic thing. I'm like, you know, putting together a year end lists and, you know, what's my favorite song of this week? I have a top 10 pro, I have a top 10 playlist every week that I update. So that's the kind of thing that like, you know, kind of gets me back on track. And again, it, that really stems from. Um, the radio programming experience I got specifically at VBR um, and, you know, and then how that related to a career. I, I go back to when I was at school and think about, you know, when I was stressed out with a class or, you know, had a prelim or had a, something, I would go to the station and go program 
the station for a while. You know, I go like record some imaging and or, or go do a show. You know, it's maybe the late night show. What didn't have a DJ, so I just like hop on the air for a couple of hours. You know, so as much as I can replicate that in my professional life, and also that's also why I still work in DVR. You know, sometimes I'll invite me back on the air when I'm in Ithaca. Um, the, the much as much as I can uh, replicate that in my professional life, that's what really kind of gets me back on track. About you know this is this is why I continue to to work in this field. Um, and this is why I continue to do what I do. Um, that um, and also going to shows, going to a lot of concerts, especially for developing acts that we're helping out, um, and just seeing them, you know, play their first headline show and see, see even if it's a small audience, as, uh, the audience singing every word back to them. That's the kind of thing that an algorithm can't do. Yeah. You know, can't walk into a room and get chills. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the more of that, the better. Um, so you know, I know that I know that you uh, you asked what do you do when you're not doing music stuff, but it is music really that kind of brings. <laughs> Me back on the, on the on the track. Very you know? true. So so along those lines, what's the coolest thing that and or perk, for lack of a better word, that you have received from your involvement with Spotify? Um, and obviously, as a music fan, was there a certain concert you went to or got to meet a certain artist? Certain moment from this experience that you're only having because of the access that you have at your company. I would say being able to travel um, is, a, is a nice uh, perk for sure. Um, there's people on my team who are in London and, and LA and Nashville and Boston. And, you know, it's important to kind of test out all these different programs that we're doing in these markets. So seeing how Nashville reacts to songs and how that's different than LA and how that's London. Um, in terms of meeting people, I mean, met a lot of cool people at Spotify, but the, the one I'm thinking of is, uh, is goes back to the Sirius XM days. Um, in 2011, I produced um, a Nirvana channel um it was the 20th anniversary of the release of nevermind and as part of the you know it was like a, a week-long you know special channel that sirius xm had and as part of the grand finale it was a town hall where um the surviving members of nirvana dave Grohl and chris novoselic um hit those two and the producer of nevermind butch vig came into the studio and did an interview um about you know the 20th anniversary and you know, the, how the album was recorded and what's happened since. Um, and the host was John Stewart oh, from the Daily Show. You know, like sitting in the sitting in the studio with those guys, there was a little audience of fans that we brought in. Um, being able to produce that was just kind of like that. That was uh, three years after I graduated college, and that was definitely one moment where I was like, "All right, I definitely, I, I, I've achieved something here uh, in my post Cornell life." You know, that's great stuff, J uh, Jordan. Words of advice that you would have to students who are just entering the workforce, who've graduated Cornell, or even alum who've been out there for a while from your experience um, being fresh from the Hill, um, certain words of advice you'd love to share um, to give to those in the alumni community. Um, well, what, for undergrads, um, I mean, from my experience, I loved my meteorology classes. Again, I still watch the weather. I still watch the radar. I still do all that stuff. It was super important. Um, but the way that I kind of got into this career was through the extracurriculars, through radio and through TV internships and WVBR. So, you know, not to say spend all of your time outside of the classroom <laughs> for sure, but like, <laughs> but um, ha having a balance of, of the two, I think, um, is, is super important. Um, a, to see what you're into and B, maybe even more importantly, seeing what you're not into. Um, I had an internship uh, in Binghamton um, being a TV weatherman. I was on the air as an undergrad, you know, being the morning weatherman whenever the, the, the normal guy got sick. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. 
but I was waking up at two in the morning, driving from Ithaca to Binghamton and then being on the air from like, you know, four thirty to eight and then driving back to Ithaca, going to class and then, you know, taking a nap in the afternoon. That was a lot. And that was, I, I had a lot of fun and it was a good time, but I realized that, huh, maybe I'd like to work a job where, you know, the sun is up when I'm at work um, instead of starting my day at, at two in the morning. So, you know, being able to, to find that out um, as an undergrad was a really useful thing for sure. Um, and then, and then to alums, I mean, I have, like I said before, I have definitely stayed in touch, you know, officially quote unquote through the alumni board and, and through all that stuff. Um, but I mean, just, you know, continuing to stay connected to the people I went to school with through the shared, ex through the shared experience of Cornell, you learn a lot. Um, and it's just really interesting to see what everybody's up to and what people, uh, and see what people are doing and see what new innovations are coming out and seeing what different people have worked with the network that you get from going to Cornell, as you know, I'm sure doesn't go away and just gets bigger and bigger as you, you know, as you, um, as you get older. Um, so, you know, leveraging that leaning into that is just, you know, there, there's no reason not to, in my opinion. Jordan, before we leave here, we're going to give uh, two last questions. I'll, I'll work these in an interesting order. Uh, what is, or who is, or I guess who being more plural, uh, your, your favorite performer, uh, whether it's a band or a specific artist, uh, in the music world. I'm just trying to get a realm of what your favorite type of music is. Totally. Uh, so I, I, I have a, a top 10 of the week that you can find on Spotify. <laughs> um, I still defer to, um, that, you know, talk about favorite type of music. It's that like mid to late 2000s indie alt rock, you know, right as I was graduating college, you know, that, that kind of indie alt rock. So bands like Vampire Weekend, um, you know, Arcade Fire, uh, Phoenix, that kind of stuff. Um, but as I've as I've graduated and as I've worked at Spotify more, I'm really starting to get into a lot of pop music. Also, um, Ariana Grande's album from last year is incredible. So my my taste has definitely expanded a lot since I started working at Spotify, um, which is a good thing. You know, that's great. Jordan Gramley, your all time favorite movie? Whoa, my all time favorite movie. Um, of uh, the, uh, I mean, really anything Christopher Guest. I should say Spinal Tap because I'm uh, <laughs> That's because awesome. a music guy, but I like. I think I like Best in Show just a little bit more than Spinal Tap. But I should, um, I probably should say Spinal Tap, right? No, but it's all good. But Best in Show is classic. Just uh, does this look? Does this look like a yellow bee to you? It's always totally. one of my favorite moments of that whole thing. Totally. We've always wanted to dress our, uh, our me and my wife, are, I've always wanted to dress our Cocker Spaniel up as like the busy bee, you know, and then be Parker Posey and whatever that guy's name was for Halloween. So that's a, that's a future goal for us. <laughs> Jordan Gremley, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you for sharing everything and uh, thanks for coming on the program. And this has been great. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us on Fresh from the Hill. I'm Lou Diamond reminding you to stay connected and go Big Red. Music from Fresh from the Hill was written, produced, and recorded by Kia Albertson Rogers, class of 2014. You can contact him at koa3 at cornell.edu.